straight into Woody's page. Okay. Good Wednesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live on the I Love Seville Network on a show presented by Ross Mortgage and Scott Morris. Scott Morris and his team at Ross Mortgage making dreams come true, and Ross and Scott Morris's team continue to grow every day. I love seeing Jon Snow posting stats on social media. I'm a numbers guy. Keep it up, Johnny Snow. I love what you're doing. Judah Wickhauer is our director. He's got a lot on his plate this morning once again. Keith Smith, the ringleader of this panel. Let's I go to think the, the instigator panel. is uh, There's no like, doubt in my mind. There's the there's instigator. No in mind. First hey. thing he did when he came in, he goes, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the second part of that was a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, Jerry, I got this idea. And generally when I say that, he goes, look, I got a meeting. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. Talk to Judah. No, no, no. I know better than that. He, you know, the silent, strong silent type makes me a little nervous. So, but yeah, so today we're excited about today. You know, we, we, we couldn't be any more timely. NAR just released some numbers. We're up about 15% year over year in volume of sales between, Jan excuse me, between January and February. Um, we've titled this, uh, you know, how to win in today's real estate market. We've got to the left, we've got a live studio audience. We literally do. Um, uh, and we're going to call folks in and out, but the key and the secret, secret to sex, success of this show is the two-way interaction or three-way interaction between those who are currently watching or listening and throwing in questions in the feed. And I know when we're, when we're having a successful show, Jerry's fingers are moving vi uh, feverishly, so please send in questions, comments, we love case studies, and we've got the folks in the room to go ahead and help us do it. And I'll tell you what, as I'm sitting here, I happen to get my first question come in. So, Jerry, do you mind if I tackle this one? Oh, absolutely. I think we need to welcome Scott Morris. Oh, we week. got an ex Scott Let's Morris. Get I'm getting nervous. Get I'm getting Morris my phone is blowing up. Good morning. Good morning. No, I love this. This is uh, something that we spend a lot of energy on in general uh, and face-to-face -face and, and really helping clients try to get into the best position to buy and win, which is the biggest challenge right now. Uh, with the number of offers that we're seeing on individual listings every weekend is how do you put together an offer that works best for you? And by best for you, I mean that that gets accepted by the seller and puts you in a safe position. Um, does that mean that you go in and you uh, agree to some kind of uh, appraisal situation where you're willing to pay over by X amount and you get it agreed apart in the initial part of the contract? And I'm sure we'll talk more We're about that later. We're going to definitely talk about that. Um, and then there's other things as far as if you're an agent, what are you doing to make sure that your listings are getting the most exposure so that you're getting all of these people to your houses to begin with? If you're out there and you have anything, send them to us. We're going to help you market them. We're doing a great job with uh, smorsesmylender.com and uh, making sure that all of our partners are getting as much exposure as humanly possible, whether that's being pushed here on the show or through our website or through all of our social media pages. We're here to help. We want to help see everybody win. Well said. Sizzle reel number one, Keith Smith. Yeah, so one of the guests that were not able to make it today was a home inspector because he's out doing a home inspection. Got a last-minute thing. He said, look, i got to do a home inspection. But one of the things we're going to talk about um, is because you're starting to see, at least in, in, in our market, creeping up for informational purposes only or pass or fail, home inspection. So we're going to have a little bit of a tip that he sent me notes on that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show on how 
best we can win from a home inspection perspective on that end of it. But, you know, if we don't mind jumping right in, um, so our first question for the day that came in on, hold on a second, it was actually a text, a text. It's, I'm a first-time home buyer and confused about what the first step should be. Right, so we get this question quite a bit. So I'm going to ask Michael Plecker to come join us. And as he's doing that, um, so Scott, from your perspective, how would you want to answer that question? I had a great conversation this morning sitting outside the studio with this specific question is um, we've, we've looked before, but we've never purchased. We're in a great position to do so now, but we don't know what our budget is. Um, we think, you know, we could, we could afford uh, possibly up to a million dollars. We don't know. Um, and it's let's get started with an application. Let's have a uh, talk about, look, I can pre-approve you up to here. What are you comfortable being? What does that number equate to with uh, a full PITI that's payment, interest, taxes, and insurance? What does that total number look like so that you can say, okay, this is, a, you know, this is where I'd like to be, but I think this is where we need to be in order to win so that you walk in knowing what that monthly payment's going to look like and you've got a plan going forwards. So as a follow-up before we get Michael's take on, on this, um, interest rates are kind of up there, right? We're, I mean, they're up, they're down. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, in the last 14 days, we've seen rates uh, dip, depending upon credit, into the, the high fives and then go back to the sevens and then come back down to the low sixes. Um, we're in a very volatile market as far as uh, the, the what the bond market looks like, mortgage-backed securities, and uh, uh, we're trading in a, in a in the same range, but that can vary from week to week. But the takeaway there is there's probably not a huge advantage to pay a lot of discount points because my honest belief is that you're going to refinance these loans inside yeah. of two years. Well, I'm going to let Michael jump in, but I'm hearing this from a buyer's perspective. So, Michael, I mean, you're a pro. You've been in this business, I think, since dirt's been around. Uh, so Close. Close. So, you know, what's your what's your first what's your advice? What's your how do you answer what is my first step supposed to, to be? To a buyer that is saying where do I begin? Right? That's the question. Yep. Um, this may be a biased answer, but I would start by finding a realtor or an agent uh, that has uh, been doing this for a long time and has come across most every scenario that can crop up during a, during the process of purchasing a home, but you know, someone once told me a long time ago that you don't know where you're going unless you know where you're at. Sounds like a Yogi Berra quote from a baseball guy. <laughs> you don't know where you're going until you know where you're at. I love that. So, love that. What that basically means is, and, and it's good that we have Scott here. Um, what I always suggest with people uh, that I sort of consult with in the beginning about what it's like to buy a home, depending on the market they're in, I've been in all of them, um, and I I start by explaining to them that you're going to have to sit down with someone that can get intimately um, uh, involved in what your finances look like so that they can give you a real snapshot of where am I at as far as what do I qualify for. Um, it gets very disappointing sometimes for buyers to go out and look at homes that they may have assumed that was within their budget and come to find out that that, that may be a, a bit over. Um, so. Really, when I talk to a first-time buyer, I like to set them up with someone that I know and trust, um, someone that's never given me surprises um, as far as, you know, last-minute financing things that pop up. Uh, someone like Scott um, would be a great start to be able to... But how important is it to get your pre-qual letter, right? What, what comes first? Should I be looking at homes or should I understand how much I can afford? 
What's the first step? Well, you really, you know, so one of the things if you're going to go out and, you know, you're going to finance your, your, your first purchase is the prequal letter is great, right? Prequal, pre-approved, those are two different things. Um, but they have to understand what they qualify for. And they have to sit down with someone that can explain, based on their specific scenarios, what type of programs suit your needs best. Because uh, there's different things out there that may be better for a person than just a 30-year fixed mortgage. Um, it may be that they're a contract worker, they know they're moving on in seven years, so a 5-1 arm may be the best uh, tool for them. But uh, that is for someone like Scott to discuss with them, and we all discuss it together, and that gives us our starting point. Then we can set up the search to find homes that we know that they will qualify for and be competitive with other purchasers on. So it's important to set expectations. Right? Set expectations. So that they understand what they can buy because mm -hmm. what we don't, what, what we hope doesn't happen is that we are looking at homes higher than we can, we can exactly. afford. Fall in love with it and move on. And, and I'm, I'm getting a couple more questions coming in. You, this, you might be able to help this with this question. I'll, I'll paraphrase it a little bit. Um, it looks like, you know, folks are losing contracts quite a bit, right? They're not winning, mm -hmm. right? And they're getting frustrated. And the, the, the paraphrase the question, they're basically saying, should I give up? Should I wait another two months or two weeks? Gentlemen, what do you think we should be doing? Should, should we advise them to stay in it? Should they take a bit of a time out? What's the best advice at this point? I mean, I'm going to tell you to do what you need to do for your own emotional health. There's certain people that handle the, these situations better than others. Um, but if you're not out there trying, you're not you're not offering your, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So if you're not out there actively going after things, you're not going to be in a position to win if you are being able to make the best offer that you can make. It's well, a Go ahead. Go ahead. No, look, real estate is a pendulum. Hmm. It swings tighter at times, back and forth, and other times it takes a long time for it to swing back in your direction. But the worst thing you can possibly do, like Scott said, is take yourself out of the game because that's when the pendulum might swim back in your direction and you may be at the right spot at the right time. And if you have everything you need as far as what your financing pro program is going to be, your pre-qualification letter, uh, you don't want to miss your opportunity. Um, and if you're working with a realtor, that understands your, your situation, we don't take time off. We're always watching for the buyer. So when we, if they need a week off just to take a breath, I'm still working for you. So number six in my six tips or six rights to win in today's market is the right team. And that's who we got assembled here yeah. today mm -hmm. to talk to talk through it. Um, I'm just curious, J Jerry usually has great stuff to add. And Kevin Tinsley watching the program, giving you props. Um, Emily Funk is getting love on her Facebook page from Leslie LePage. She says, what's up, Emily? Giving you some love. Um, you guys anticipated this question was going to come up, and it's all over the feed. The news from yesterday about, what, the first time in 14 years, the price of a home is dropping, the value of a home. It's a national statistic. It's not a local statistic. But I want the experts to offer their opinion first. It's on four different pages, this topic right now. I touched base uh, in a, a meeting with a group of realtors yesterday. I said the first thing that all of your clients, buyers and sellers, are seeing is, oh, my gosh, the prices of houses are falling. At the same time, in the central Virginia market, we're seeing, and this is Richmond, Charlottesville, Lynchburg, northern Virginia, uh, the Virginia market, we're seeing 20, 40 offer situations, and they're all going 
considerably over asked. While this is a uh, national number, it is not fitting to the market that we are in, and that's just the unfortunate reality. Um, so, so you had an experience this weekend, or fortunate if you're selling. in Green County, right? And and you were in the open house in one of our listings that had multiple offers, multiple showings. Talk a little bit about that, just to set the tempo of what our real this is in Green County of what our 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 local market is really like compared to those numbers. Well, some things have changed and some hasn't. I mean, you know, we had several um, separate, you know, buyer couples or persons through the door. Uh, 95% of them were from out of town, uh, northeast corridor down through uh, Connecticut into D.C., northern Virginia. We need to emphasize that again. Yes, Realty Partners had a listing in Greene County, a mm-hmm. fabulous custom home with a five in front of it. It's under contract now. It is. They did an open house, was it Saturday? Saturday, yes. 95% of the foot traffic through this open house was out of Central Virginia foot traffic. Out of Central Virginia foot traffic. One couple was from Washington State. They're renting until they can find the right house to buy. So we only had really one couple that was a local couple come through uh, that currently has a home that they're going to want to sell. They're looking to move further north um, you know, from Charlottesville because of the, the job takes one of them up into Northern Virginia, Pennsylvania. So uh, they see that as about a 30 to 40 minute time saving uh, to be able to be on that side of town versus where they're at currently. So, so you know, inventory is everything. I'm looking at the last seven days. We've got 71 in, in our footprint, in our region, at the car footprint, the Charlottesville Association of Realtors footprint. 71 came on, 101. Mm-hmm. went into pending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if we start looking in those pendings, they're probably a medians and single single sure. digit days days on days on market. I really Jerry, I really want to save that question from Woody. Sure. Comes Absolutely. in when Woody Fitch comes it's in. It's on again. So we're going to let Woody do that because Woody is the, the, the gentleman that's in it every day, but at the moment he's at a car board meeting, so when he comes in, we're going to save that question for him. Let's jump back to uh, what your first step should be because if that's the, uh, the, in the difference between a pre-qual and a pre-approval. There you go. So if you're trying to come up with what your budget is and you've been online and you have a letter and no one – or you, let's say you talk to a me, and meaning a, a, a mortgage advisor, a loan originator somewhere, and they send you a letter and haven't asked you for any documents, that should be a huge red flag. If they haven't seen what your actual pay stubs are, if they're working off just off of what you're, you're telling them, uh, they're – there's a very good chance that you're going to get in trouble down the road because they haven't actually done the work to know where you need to be. If you're not having a real budget conversation, you're not doing anything, a, a, a real pre-approval is going to be based off of you being you sending someone your W-2s, your pay stubs, your bank statements, so they understand how much cash you're going to have to close and that you're going to have the ability to actually close on this transaction. They're not going to expose you to the risk of losing your earnest money deposit. Mm-hmm. One of your three upfront costs in going through this process is you're going to give an earnest money deposit. That is your money that you're telling the seller, I'm serious about this contract with. You're going to pay for a home inspection up front. You're going to pay for an appraisal up front. Those are your three upfront costs. And if somebody's not helping you do this work, they're exposing you to loss along the way. That was damn good right there. Do you need another sizzle reel? Because that was a good one. <laughs> You're on point this morning. Plecker, jump in here. Anywhere you want to go on this conversation. Um, he's absolutely correct. So the pre-approval is a much more... Um, magnified look into a, a person's finances uh, because the worst thing again is if you're going out with the wrong expectations of what you're looking at then your wheels are going to spin and spin and spin 
without ever getting any traction. The only way to really get traction is to go through the process of what he, Scott, just explained. Um, we got questions for Scott here. Meredith Young giving the show some props. She's a KW agent right there. Thank you. Uh, Meredith, you'll see more of Scott Morris around the office of her at uh, Keller Williams Alliance. This question for Scott specifically, how long does a pre-approval pre last? Great question. And then the follow-up question, is there a time stamp um, for a, uh, what's, it's not a pre-approval she's calling it. It's, what's the other kind? It's not as a. Pre-qual? Yeah, pre -qual. is there a time stamp for the pre-qual? Jennifer Mann, good question. The pre-qual is not really real. Um, it, it, I mean, it's real in the sense that uh, it, it, it's a maybe. In all honesty, it's it's this might work, but we, you know, it's it's not uh, official in any capacity. Um, the same thing stands for what a lot of lenders will send out as far as a loan estimate, um, because the rate's not locked. Mm -hmm. They may not even be disclosing to you what the actual discount points you're, you're there. They could be charging you are there. Um, but to the pre-approval and a timeline, I like to tell my clients, as long as you don't do anything like buying a new vehicle or losing a job and there's no ma major changes, that pre-approval is going to be as good as, as for as long as we need it to be. The true answer is we need you to close within 120 days of that initial credit pull. At the 90-day mark, I'm going to reach out to you and say, hey, uh, your credit's going to expire before we could close on a property. We're going to go ahead and update everything. Is that okay with you? And throughout that process, we may be reaching out and asking for up-to-date documents, pay stubs, bank statements, just so that we know that we're not looking for anything that you're doing wrong. What we're really looking for is if you get under contract, we're not chasing you down after the fact. You're going to have enough going on as far as getting through home inspections and you know, coming up with the movers and, and all of the planning that you're going to go through. We want to help you be prepared for. So that's why the Nicely right. done, Scotty Moe. That is the right. That's, he is. That is the reason why the right team matters, right? And this way you get the right answers to your questions. So when you go out there, you should be doing a pre-approval, not a pre-qualification, because from a seller's perspective, it shows that you are more real, for lack of a better, better term. Uh, you want to jump in on that real quick? Yeah, can, can I just hit one, one quick point here? Because after, after you get working with someone like Scott to find out exactly what your picture is, uh, what you qualify for, I guess the topic of, of today's show was winning in today's market. There you go. So today's market, because you qualify for, let's say you qualify for $500,000. Are you going to win if you're only looking at homes that are starting at $500,000? Great question. Uh, one of the things, that, and I, I try to use personal experiences that my wife and I went through uh, to, to help when I'm talking to someone, maybe a first-time buyer, is, you know, she, we lived in Prince William County. Uh, at the time when she started working in McLean at Freddie Mac. It's an hour and 20 minutes each way in traffic. Oof. We would have loved to have bought a house in Tyson's Corner, but we couldn't afford it. We qualified for Prince William County. So one of the hardest pills sometimes a, a buyer has to swallow is that if we want to be competitive because everybody is bidding over us what we qualify for, we should probably make, maybe consider finding something that starts a little lower. In a different location. In a different location. But it gets you in the game because from 1994 when I started doing this until today, people have talked about prices of homes reaching the apex where it, there's no way it could ever go higher. 
Well, they've all gone higher. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you're keeping yourself out of the game because there is one area that you are willing to live in and you're getting outbid, you probably need to consider at least getting into the ownership game, but maybe in a different location. Because over time, with the right moves, you will still see equity and you will still make money. It's a great so, take, Michael. Great take. Location matters. It's, that's the reason it's number one in my top six. So thank you for tackling, tackling location. And part of the follow-up uh, from the conversation about should I give, should I stop, you know, the follow-up questions that we're usually asked is, you know, am I overpaying now? And this is going to be a witty question, witty uh, mm -hmm. Fincham question when we come in. But, you know, they, they, you know, have I missed the market? Is it already peaked, right? How, how do we address that question? Well, it sort of goes back to what I just said. Um, you know, my wife and I bought in Charlottesville at the top of the market. Um, and no one really knows where the peak is at over a long period of time. At what interest rate did you buy, do you remember? Uh, I think when we closed our home in 2005, I believe we were somewhere around 6%, I yeah, believe. 6 or 7%. That's really hard to remember. Yeah. yeah. She's the one who pays the mortgage, so. Um, <laughs> I help. That's very similar. That's very similar to the Smith household. And you hear Mrs. Smith chuckling in in the green. I, I heard that. Green, yeah, yeah. In, in the in the. So in that's the green. a shout out to Tabitha. Um, so, but you, you don't know where the peak is, and um, within a short period of time, maybe you can sort of, you know, find out where it's at. But over a long period of time, peaks get higher. So before we we ask somebody else to sit in your seat um, today the show being about what does it take to win in today's market. Any pearls of wisdom that you want to share before we, we ask somebody what it else? Takes to, what and you're getting props. Think about that answer. I'm, you're getting props from Katie Pearl, another Keller Williams agent watching the program. KTP, we love you. She says, great advice from Michael. It definitely helps if a client has a little wiggle room to escalate up. To be competitive, you need to search a bit below your top price. Mm -hmm. Plecker's on point, she says. I appreciate that. So what was the question again, Keith? <laughs> the advice, the final the advice, advice that you would offer to win in today's market. So uh, with the, maybe the exception of Scott, we've got three people with ADD on the, on this, <laughs> on the show. So, uh, yes, I mean, parting words, you know, what, you know, you're sitting down for the first time with somebody. You know, what is it going to take to win from your perspective in today's market? A little bit of what I just said is reassessing your location. Um, getting with someone like Scott and working with a realtor that has been doing this for so long and has literally sat in front of thousands of buyers. This is when the, the pros show up, mm -hmm. with, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, Maggie Gunnell's giving the panel some props, watching the program as we speak. Kevin Yancey playing the bear. I'll relay one of his comments before we make a switch. Shocking. Yeah. Like I've said, <laughs> buyers now are giving up five to ten years of Normal appreciation gains, he says, just to get started. The increases cannot maintain current trends. Anyone want to touch on that? Aside from the fact that that was his same take three years ago, sure, I'll jump in. Um, so you have to have, if you look at, I mean, take a look at uh, a 30-year a, a chart of, of home values. You saw a, a dip in 2009 that was recovered in, in a few years and then you saw an extraordinary spike down the road 
it, there is not enough inventory to support a steady decline. So yeah. while I appreciate your interest in the topic, I think you are materially wrong. So I'm going to add to that. Um, so on Friday, um, I'm chairing uh, with Ned Galloway, co-chairing, um, we're doing a housing summit, the Regional Housing Partnership. And I actually was working this morning on slides on valuations in the city of Charlottesville and all the jurisdictions between 2019 and 2020. So the last time we did one of these in-person seminars was 2019, and I'm looking at 2022 numbers. City of Charlottesville, just, just to put it in, in, in that perspective, that's a, that's a four-year spread. Existing detached homes, no new construction, has went up 29% mm -hmm. since 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a hundred and six thousand dollar up charge. By the way, the attached went up twenty two percent, and that's just a snapshot of the city, just the city of Charlottesville. Well, I think this is a much slower appreciation climb. Not slower per se. I mean, it's it, it's a heck of a rate of appreciation, but I think it's under more control than it was from two thousand five to two thousand eight, with all the speculation, lending, no doc loans, and that was sort of a false, sort of a false market value. Uh, but even since then, uh, just to sort of address Kevin, um, we're still going up. So, Michael, the agents asking questions here. So, uh, uh, Michael, I'm going to I'm going to ask Emily to kind of slide in the seat because I've got a question that came across my phone from a seller's perspective in today in today's in today's okay. in today's market. Judah, when you go to the studio camera, I got a question that we can pepper to everyone. If you want to think about this question too, Meredith Young for Scott and Keith. Curious of everyone's thoughts, what other contract tactics other than price, if any, would you use in today's market to help your clients win? Appraisal, home inspection, rent back, any tactics at all she's looking to learn? You know what? I, would, I was going to take that a different direction with this question, but Emily, that's a great question. You want to try to tackle that? Everybody say hello to Emily Funk. Hello, Emily Funk. Hello, hello Emily. We love Emily. Um, I mean, at this point, buyers agents are needing to kind of pull out all the stops while still serving our clients like personally i would never recommend not doing a home inspection there's too much buyer's remorse in the market right now for all the people who waived those during the frenzy yeah um well said people paid a lot of money for homes and then in some cases found out that there were serious material defects that they're having to pay more money to fix um so while that is attractive to stay competitive, it may not be in a client's best long-term interest. Um, but it really depends on each individual situation. Can we talk about some tactics that we can yeah. use to uh, to make that uh, back to their advantage? So if, if you're going to... If you're a first-time buyer, I do not recommend you waiving a home inspection. However, if you do need to do one for informational purposes only, and we ha and we try to sub, you know, protect you through some other means as far as if you have to get out, what what those possible possibly could be, um, we'll do that as a, a group of professionals on your side. Now, if you can take a home inspector with you to do there your you walkthrough. Or do one for informational purposes only after the fact. If you've had somebody go through the home with you to see the things that you can't see, um, to help you create a plan to say, okay, hey, look, this is the house, but we know we're 
very likely going to face these types of expenses going forward based on the condition of some things that are going on with the home. That's a best. That's a good plan versus uh, you waiving it altogether. So let's talk about that in specific because I kind of alluded to that. You know, Alex Rayfield, uh, one of our uh, key sponsors and and uh, and uh, home inspectors here. So what what's happening now? And Emily, jump in when you can. What's happening now is because home inspections are either getting waived or they're doing it for informational purposes only, what we're doing or we're able to do is bring home inspectors with us during the initial showing. So Alex actually has a program to do that, and, and, and it's just called the walkthrough. For about $350, he comes in, he does a walkthrough the interior, takes a look at the electrical panel, the HVAC, brings his, dr his drone, shoots the roof. So what will happen is Emily, myself, or Emily, and the, and the buyer, while we're doing our walkthrough of the house... He's doing it. So what you need to do is kind of narrow it down to a home that you really feel comfortable with, that you're prepared to spend to spend that $350. So you basically get a home inspection, not full-flown, but a home inspection before you put a contract in it. Because, Emily, we're starting, and you can chime here, we're starting to see home inspections again being waived. We are. Um, and I, I understand why. I just don't know that that's... Um, the best practice for a client's long-term interests. I respect that. I respect that answer so much, Emily. She's well, looking after the best of the folks she's working with. If you're doing with. one just for informational purposes only, one of the, one of the great things that uh, you, you know, is provided by the home inspector is, especially if you are new to owning a home and what the, yeah. the everything looks like, they're going to, even with that, they're still going to create you a book so you know where your water shutoff is. So if, if three years from now you've got a, a, a water heater leak, uh, you know where to run to to turn this off or you at least know, hey, I put this book somewhere. I need to go find that so I can figure this out while I'm on the phone with whomever I need to freaking out. Like you've got something to refer back to to help you travel through the future. So Emily... Questions coming in. Yeah, if you don't mind me jumping in on this yeah. question that came in. So I'm a seller. Why is it important to have the home in great condition? That's one of our six uh, uh, six uh, tips or, or rights to go ahead and do that because it ties into this conversation we're having, right? Because, you know, what we're seeing anyway is if the home isn't in the right condition, folks are not even putting offers in it. And these are side-by-side -side houses. Yeah. So why is that so important? There are so many reasons. Um, so making sure that your house is in tip-top shape, there's not obvious deferred maintenance, it matters. We just saw this week how um, there was a client who had an inspection done and noticed some deferred maintenance, and that brought up the question, what else is there that even the inspector can't see? And it, it made the client nervous. Um, so if you take care of deferred maintenance, just even that much helps to calm some buyers' um, what-if questions. But more than that, if you have your house in good condition, it helps buyer clients make an emotional connection to your home. And once that happens, you're more likely to get through tough negotiations between contract and closing. If there's no emotional connection to the space, it's easier for people to walk away. Um, and as a seller, that's a tough thing to go through, having your house off the market, feeling like you're ready to move forward, and then finding out you got to start all over again. So taking care of some of that stuff before you even list 
it, it does matter. Because um, one of the other things we're seeing is that houses in certain price ranges are flying off the market. Others, not so much. Where does that softening start? And there's, there's great questions coming here. You're crushing it. Keep going with what you, what you have to say here. Um, that's a good question, Scott. I'm not sure where the exact cutoff is price-wise. Um, but, you know, there are houses I've seen in the six, 700 range where um, some things are going to need to be done to update the house. They've got great bones. Um, somebody's going to make a beautiful house out of it eventually. But one of the problems is that only 6% of the population can envision what is not right in front of them. So if they're looking at a home where every room is a different pattern of wallpaper and thinking, I don't even know what to do with this, you're cutting out a huge portion of the population right at the beginning. Well said, Emily Funk. Um, Sharon Sipe Widows, this is a great question. Would you be comfortable with foregoing a home inspection when purchasing a condominium? She's basically asking, would you forego with a condo because it's a different animal because you're, de- you're not responsible for the exterior of what you're buying? Yeah. I, I, Who wants I, to touch that? Yeah, I'll touch that. I, and, you know, condos are kind of like, you know, we, we have very few condos in our area, but it's really the perfect vehicle for entry into the home ownership world or the, the ladder of home ownership. I would still do what, what, what I described. I would bring the home inspector along because you have things internal, right? That HVAC system is internal, right? Plumbing is internal. All this stuff is internal to, to the questions point, the roofing and the yard and the outside, so, forth, so on is part of the HOA. That's great. That takes that off of it. Maybe the, 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 the pre-walkthrough is a little cheaper than 350 for that. But if you have an opportunity to bring a home inspector along with you and, and, and on, a, on a unit, on a home that you really want to make a hard play for, it is absolutely the best little secret tool. If anybody walks away from something uh, from this show or from this tip, that is right now the greatest tool available to you other than getting a pre-approval letter from Scott. Love it. Um, how about this from, from Katie Pearl for Scott specifically? Are you still seeing appraisal gaps? Appraisal gap coverage. So, specifically, uh, good we, question, Katie. We had uh, an offer over the weekend where the house was listed at four forty nine, and uh, the client came in at five fifteen, um, and has the capability of paying the gap. But at the same time, like, where do you, you know, you know, that's a that's a big that's a big space. So there's a lot of different tools to put in place to protect them to say, hey, we'll pay any gap over. 480 um but if it comes in at 465 like we need to go back to the table on this so um, i'm sorry um, but also then let's say you're a client who doesn't have the funds to pay a major gap and then you go put in place say hey we're willing to pay five thousand dollars what over whatever the appraised value is and the sellers agree to that this conversation is put to bed we're not going back to this after the fact we're not hashing it out everybody can be a little bit unhappy but at the same time it's done once at that point we know what we've agreed upon in the beginning and we're not having to negotiate further and worry about whether or not this comes apart at that point so part of the reason why i wanted to do this show on how to win was that reality that's been happening in the last several 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 weeks there are buyers that we are losing deals not a five thousand dollars over we're losing it five ten percent over and we're losing them to buyers that are bringing letter of credits or bringing proof of funds 
for the overage on it. So if they're like $50,000, we're, we're going to guarantee up to $50,000 over the appraisal gap. And oh, by the way, here's my proof of funds. So from my perspective, that's just like bringing cash to the table. Uh, uh, the closing on the, on the end of it. So are you starting to see some of that? And well, that goes back to what uh, Mr. Plucker had at his open house. If you have people who are selling homes from out of the area yeah. who are bringing large stacks of cash that then, can, then cover those gaps, that makes it a tougher environment for everybody else who's trying to get in the game to begin with. Um, but again, if you can make a good offer that is backed by uh, some mechanism that's going to protect you up to a certain level to where you're not fully exposed but at the same time being very competitive that puts you in the best place to win this is a question for scott scott you got questions coming in fast and furious here um we were told we lost a house to someone who used an all cash offer and then we heard from our agent that when they went to close they actually financed the property how does that actually work uh I'm not going to get into the ethics of that, but I mean, how do you? How does it sound like that works? I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's certainly something that they they may have showed they had the capability of doing, and then said, you know, we're going to use our cash for something else. It's is that is that in the gray area? So I'm wondering if we should. Walker wants to talk about that over here, uh, or Mrs. Smith. Do you want to jump in and tackle tackle this on set? Is that gray area? It's not. So, Mrs. Emily, if you wouldn't mind, let Mrs. Smith. Yeah, this good is job, a great. Emily. This is a great contract question. Yeah, Jonas to, Smith to, in, the, in the hot seat to, over here. Jonas Smith. We love having Jonas Smith in the studio. Oh, by the way, but but by the way, I promised her I wouldn't do this to her. But <laughs> she knew otherwise. Here, it's great to see you too. Good to see you too. Jonas so, Smith in the house. So, so how do they do? How can they do that? Wait, Talk we got to introduce her. Oh, of course. Okay, so we're a co-founder, Yes Realty Partners. Is supervising broker, yes. yes, Realty Partners, the the consistent personality and person we look forward to seeing every day, the metronome oh, of character and consistency, Jonas Smith, and and keeps better seven eights, seven eights, and yeah. Gigi mom today, and Gigi yeah. mom today. I can't wait and to Gigi have don't. have Yvonne come with the baby. So, uh, you want to hit that question? Do I have to? Yeah, I mean, is, so basically, <laughs> yes, this is, I'll, I'll paraphrase here. Yes. She, she's a mom of three. Right. She's basically saying we lost the house because the folks said they were going to buy it in all cash, and then they ended up financing it when it was all said and done. How does that work? It does work. Yeah. It does work as long as you disclose it uh, either in, in the contract itself or uh, throughout the process. And I guess then it comes back into... Uh, the communication that you have with the other side, with the other agent, to kind of really find out. So tell me a little bit more about how is your client going to pay for this? Um, where is he in the process as far as providing proof of funds for cash? And kind of get a little bit of a story, backstory from behind it. We have had it happen to us, too. So, so. What, what could be written, to, to add yes. to that, what could be written in the contract, which we probably don't know if we don't have the contract here. Yeah, I doubt this person has the contract because they lost the house. Uh, absolutely, yeah. 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 So, so what could be written into the contract that it's cash, but the seller has the right to The purchaser find, reserves the purchaser, the right. I apologize. The purchaser, yeah, the purchaser reserves the right to find Finance it as long as it doesn't impact the cash deal. And right? what changes the culture. So this is common. This happens. It, it, the, the, it, this is not unusual. It's not so, unusual. Yeah. Uh, so in full intents and purposes, it, it, it may sound like it's not a cash deal, but it is because the way the contract is written, um, if the financing falls about, they still need to close in cash. So what they probably did was, you know, and that may have happened when interest rates were 3%. Mm -hmm. 
uh, don't know, um, so that the buyer said, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to take a 3% loan, I'm going to keep my cash. But for whatever reason, it was closing via it, it cash. It stipulates it in a contract. You, you have the right. You have the right to change, uh, change financing options as long as you, A, communicate that, and, B, uh, it doesn't change the rest of the terms, including the closing date, by the way. I love it. Scott, anything you want to add to this? Um, so we did see some of this, and, in fact, there were companies that modeled themselves around uh, being uh, given – giving those who were looking to finance the uh, but could not pay cash the ability to do so. One of those companies was a company named Ribbon uh, to where this, the buyer would pay a 1% fee to the company in order – and that's that was just – that's a non-refundable. You're paying 1% for this company to say, hey, if they don't close on this, we will pay cash for them uh, at the end. And, of course, the company's objective was for no one to ever pay cash and for them to continue mm -hmm. to take in 1% fees as they go along the process. Sure. It's a money-making so proposition. I, I've yes. got a, if Jerry, you don't mind if I jump sure. in on a question. Sure. I've got a question that I'd like to ask Yona. Um, so I, I, it, it came in, how, how or what tips or what, what rights do I need to do to win selling and buying. In other words, I'm, with the question I guess is saying, I'm trying to sell my house and buy. How can I win in that world? What's, what's the tips for that? Well, I think that that also comes back down to that you really, really fully understand what not only the financial picture of that particular client is, but also really uh, what the ultimate goal is. In my immediate um, sort of recommendation would be not just to talk to me about it, but also talk to... Uh, Scott about that and see what what options from a financing perspective can you put in place in order to really make this the most um, the most winning opportunity that you really can and set up the expectations so depending on what type of price range you're going in you may be able to go ahead and take out enough equity from the sale of your home that you're able to go ahead and transfer this into the purchase of your new home however I think there's a whole team effort that goes behind it, including not just us, the professionals, but also uh, the real estate professionals, but also really having, having somebody as experienced as Scott to go ahead and really advise you on the best options that are there for you. And time. It takes time. So they clarified the question. I'm afraid to sell because I don't know what to buy. How do we help with that? Um, in betweens, uh, we've seen some of our clients, they have realized that they have enough equity in their home, so therefore they go ahead and just say, okay, yeah, I'm jumping into this, I'm going to sell my home, I'm going to do a short-term rental and take that time to go ahead and really find what I'm looking for. At the same time, keep that little toe in the, in the, in the game to really kind of see what the market has to bear and what, what, uh, what I really want. So. Tabitha Plecker watching the program. And also to that question, I feel like that anxiety <laughs> of why I don't want to sell because I don't know what else is out there is, is partially driven by this volatile rate environment. Mm -hmm. I think if we can get into a lower, more stable rate environment, it, those people aren't having to go from, I'd like to do this, but what is the what's the market going to be like two weeks from now? Much less, uh, you know, three months from now. Uh, it, it there's that is what it's part. It's a piece of the inventory puzzle. If we can, if once we come to a more stable environment, I think we get more people listing because they know what the other end of the transaction looks like. I agree. I, I think at this particular moment, it is really important for the sellers to feel encouraged enough to put their home on the market. Because that's going to be a key element. But, but how do we? How are we doing that as agents? What tool? Well, help me understand this. Here's perfect for this. How how do you um, offer counsel to someone like us who's got a two point seven five percent 
fixed 30-year mortgage. And one of the reasons we would think about not listing is losing that 2.75%. You really want to find out what is their motivation to move, right? Why would anybody move? So typically, let's say you're blessed with several more children, right? Yeah, so why would anybody move? You might have to move. Most most people move because of reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, We're going to bring our... our, Buyer client on here a minute who's moving because they're moving from Seattle to to uh, Richmond to Richmond and they have to move because in of, the very near future in the extremely near in the future very near future and and I'm excited about bringing this buyer on full disclosure I think she's related to Yona and I, I think she <laughs> is and but I want to and hear she's from her real estate exam from her she's literally taking mm-hmm. a real estate exam and Tabitha wants to clarify Plecker the fabulous seven eighths of the Shenandoah Valley's finest backstop Michael Plecker. She says it was 5.5%, Michael, the interest rate. And she says we also refinanced um, to 3% with the home. So, well, she, so, wanted to, so she wanted to clarify that. But thank you, Tab, because yeah. that's what happens. We bought our first home. It was 18%. We refined it several times, I think, before we ultimately ultimately sold it, getting down to, down to a, a, a lower level. But what I'm trying to get to, Yona, is, you know, what can we do to help? Look, we can put in a listing that uh, any contracts are contingent on the seller finding another home. We could do that. It's transparent. Everybody knows about it. Right, we have another uh, tip that hey, let's do some seller possession. Right, yeah. let's try to sell the house and let us stay in the house a little. So, w- what other tips that you might have? Well, these are sort of the key elements that you go ahead not only have the sellers set up for success, but also have the expectations set up for the purchases. And there is purchases out there who are probably in a situation where they don't want to break a lease, and therefore would be willing to go ahead and wait that time period out and uh, try to go ahead and um, really get to the point where they can. Um, take possession of the home. Um, I always go by the, by the level of motivation that that seller has. How can I best assist that particular person, make him super comfortable with the fact that okay, you're gonna give up your three percent rate. However, look at the look at the look at the end goal that you are trying to achieve. If it is a matter of going to be closer to grandchildren in Florida. It may hurt a little bit to do that, but ultimately you're going to get there. And eventually you can refinance. Again, you can refinance that particular home purchase that you have there too. Like he said, uh, we from the from the listing side of it, we have multiple ways that we can go ahead and um, disclose this up front in the listing and also in the conversation that you have with the other, with the other side. And that goes back to having the right team member also on the other side, that you really go ahead and tell this particular person, so tell me about what your buyer is looking for. Tell me how we can get through this sort of step and what we can do to go ahead and make this a success for both. So one of them obviously is is to say right out of the gate that this, this, the sale of this home is contingent upon the seller finding a new home. Uh, the other thing is, is we need to be absolutely clear what that means also if that seller then finds another home, then that would be what we call a domino effect, right? So we need to figure out that the closing dates are all matching um, and find out what type of financing is involved in that. But not, not to go really too deep into that, I think the the bottom line is is it's a matter of what you communicate and the expectations that you set. I'll say, we, Jul- we've, Julie we've, Ballard giving you props. Thank you, uh, thank you, thank you. She, she's, a, she's a rock star. Another option, and uh, 
something that may not be the first thought for people looking to take a step into another property. If, if you have been in that home for three to five years, so you got in um, before some of the, uh, the big appreciation happened and you did refinance to a lower rate. So you have a mortgage that's at uh, uh, a lower than what uh, the rental market is going to be at. And you could be, say, making five to $700 over top of that mortgage, but not using that income to qualify you with, but knowing that you're going to be taking a step into another property the amount of money that you could receive from selling the home after you pay everything and then put it down into the next, you could be in a better position taking the net rent from the property you already exist and pushing that into the payment for the new property to where then you've, you've got a property that's now income producing and that you're moving into a new primary and you're having a lower payment than you would if you were actually putting money down. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting, an interesting um, aspect. The Tom Joyce, I recently sold a home, and the buyers allowed us to stay in the home almost two months at no charge. Mm -hmm. That offer allowed us to select them over another buyer at the same price point. Complimentary seller possession. We've learned it can last <laughs> all of 60 days. Right? Well, is, if you're, if you're financing, yeah. this that's is an important if point. Yeah. If you're financing, right, it's 60 days. You need to take we learned this live on the days. talk show. Remember this, Keith? I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. We went through a whole thing about that. And I choose not to relive that, but anyway. Uh, we, but, but it's important if you have a cash buyer, there is no time limit on it, right? So if there's a cash buyer, if, you know, like what Michael Plecker was saying, we're selling homes up in Northern Virginia, coming down here, I have a ton of cash, right? There are, um, you know, a certain percentage of cash buyers out there that do that. And you can then negotiate as long as you want uh, with, with the... Um, the seller seller possession, so it's a it's a great it's a great a great tool. Well, the shorter the period, though, the better it is also for the seller, right? And for well, the purchaser it, from a home. It depends home, on the purchase search circumstances too. Yeah. So the why matters more. This is super mm -hmm. important. Your your team leaders need to understand your why, right? Everybody that's helping you on this this chain of, of housing has to understand your why, has to understand, you know, your what, and then your who, and all these things start putting together. But my corner left eye, I, uh, for peripheral vision, I saw the famous Woody Fincham walk in, Ooh. and uh, we, we want... Have, can we have Yvonne in? We'll have Yvonne on it, but, I, but there's a couple of... Uh, hold on. Did I, I think you just got voluntold. I think... I think... I think... I think... I just got circuited. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Smith won. Yes. So, Mrs. Smith, would you like her to come and join us, or would you like Yvonne to join that seat? I would like Yvonne to join that seat. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yvonne, Yvonne Smith Thank you Weidel. for the executive director's decision. It's just Weidel. Look at this. I'm, I'm batting a thousand. I can't. I've, I've got voluntold. Yeah. Yeah, voluntold. I got voluntold. I like it. I like it. You've had that before, right, Scott? Uh, I think we've all yeah, experienced uh, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, That's called marriage. Yeah, yeah it's called marriage. <laughs> well, not only that, but she's my boss, too. Right, it's, it's called marriage. <laughs> In many, many things. Hey, nice up, to see you. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. For those that are streaming, um, just listening to the show and not watching, give your beautiful daughter on set. I know. I've, Introduce the world, and we get a little okay, well, closer to the mind. So this is Ravenna. Oh, she's beautiful. This is Ravenna Elizabeth Yasmin Weidel. She's a lot of thought went into that name. <laughs> um, and she is an angel. She, she is an angel. She's perfect. We feel very lucky to be her parents. She's beautiful. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, 
how do we, uh, you know, you're in the middle of, uh, you're going to have to get a little closer to the mic, oh. ma'am. Um, Is this close enough? That's perfect. <laughs> okay. I'll put on my teacher <laughs> voice, yes. <laughs> um, I, my husband and I, Houston, are looking for a new home. We're actually mortgaging through Scott. I'm not sure if that's the correct term. Um, mortgaging is a term. That'll work. That's I haven't gotten there in my class yet. So, um, and my dad is my realtor. My mom has kindly asked to stay her, my mom, not okay. the realtor. So she has no input yeah, But in ultimately, it. she's my boss. I know. Somehow I know that she's <laughs> there are smart decisions. You're a smart lady. There are some times <laughs> where dad has words, and I'm like, I know that that's mom. Like, I can hear mom <laughs> through you. Um, well, you're also a teacher, so you're, you're helping me yes. out with my words. But uh, it has been shocking. I thought being around my family for 30 years in real estate would mean that I know everything that there is to know. I've heard it. It's, it's the conversation a lot at you know dinner. And I'm still just shocked at truly what it is to buy a home today. Um, I'm a teacher. Houston's a resident. So we're not coming in with like huge, hard-hitting funds. So I but you got have, earning potential. Yes. But I... Um, not you, know, you. Not me. <laughs> no. Not the teacher. But, um, you know, I expected it to be difficult. I didn't expect it for us to be un... Well, I know we are competitive, but seemingly uncompetitive for the homes that I want. Do I have nice taste like my father? Yes. You have champagne taste. Yes. Oh, has champagne taste. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom has champagne taste. She has champagne taste? Yes. Okay. Yes, she loves In it. In men. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but this man. This man. Yeah. This man. In one yeah. man. Uh-huh. Yeah, this one, one man. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe there's something that we're going to find out live on the show today. Should we tell them your slogan, Mom? Oh, please. I would love to hear the slogan. No, okay. We won't no, tell we Mom your slogan. Wow. Come it's on. A, it's a family slogan. If she says no, I listen. Okay. I listen. Okay. She's, yes. Yeah, but um, I'm the executive producer here. Uh-uh. Nope. Oh, well. And maybe Mom can tell it if she wants to. But the topic of the show is how you can be competitive and how you can win in today's market. And um, I was not told or paid to say this, but I think having someone with dad's level of experience is um, true. And I wasn't even plugged to say that, by the way. I asked, what should I say? And he said, nothing. Uh, um, I, I told you, be yourself, like I've always done my whole yes. life. But I, I am, it's been very cool to see how knowledgeable he is in every aspect of the home buying process, as well as like the home building process, which is nice because one of the tips is to bring a home inspector to your showing, which is just um, in reality very difficult because home inspectors have a three-week waiting period and a lot of times the deals are over in three weeks um but dad is a home inspector not by legal but he knows enough to know like hey class a contractor yeah he knows enough to know like hey that foundation doesn't seem settled or that roof is 20 years old or at least to give you an idea like okay um maybe this is more than we are expecting to take on at the moment um for those agents and clients and everyone who is watching um, if if your father or the client's father is not someone yes. who has the background that Keith has, this can be a painful experience for some of us yeah. um, when dad goes through and, and, Yo, and picks things yeah. apart. Well, Just to be fair, we from did. From another perspective. Amen, brother. Uh, in general. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, for all so, those involved. So do I need to add, agent right now do I add any of the seventh like tip but here? Wait, it <laughs> is equally as frustrating for a daughter who is appreciative of how nitpicky he is because I spent seven hours on FaceTime 
with my father Oof. during home showings recently, which I enjoyed. But well, well, I, the time was out. Like, I happened to like the camera, so just saying it was Oof. easy. It was like, oh yeah. dear, I, we're, I don't even, I don't like this house, Dad. We don't have to tear it apart. Like, come on. Um, but this is while you were in Seattle. Yeah, we wow. were facetiming last mm. week. Um, yeah. Just think about that. Man. Seven hours. Just think about that. Yeah. Uh, just think he about where we. had a lunch we... break. I got to give him lunch, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just because I got hangry. So mm-hmm. think. Just think about that, right? Five, ten years ago, we couldn't yeah. have done that, right? It's been, cool it it's been really nice. Um, so let's talk about location. That's my number one tip. So talk about why location is so important, because we're going through this right now. So talk about how, how that conversation looks and, and w- w- from your perspective, because I've never really actually asked you this question. Well, so let's do it live. Much like in Charlottesville, there are areas that certain people just want to live in for certain reasons, and West End or West Ham is very... This is in Richmond. Is the is the Coveted. is the place everyone yeah. wants to live in Richmond? As That's where I live, do I? Yes. And um, my reasonings of wanting to live there are simple. My everyday life looks like a forty-five minute walk um, in either myself or my dog or um, my stroller with my baby or running on streets that I feel safe. And I don't want to live in an area that doesn't allow me to do that. And I feel like that is inaccessible if I don't have sidewalks. Seems reasonable. Yes. And my day also includes, because I'm a spoiled Seattleite, um, walking to coffee shops every day of my life and walking to parks every day of my life. And so for me to live somewhere where that is not accessible feels very isolating and also seems unrealistic because that is like what my day is. Especially since your husband's going to be working long hours. Yes. You're new to a new city where you don't yeah. know a lot of people. And yeah. you have a baby. Yeah. So I've done that when I moved out to Seattle and I know what that takes. I'm not looking to do that again. There you go. Um, and I, I know what I like and I like what I know. So I'm a creature of habit. And for me, living out, and Houston jokingly says that I call three chop the sticks. It's not the sticks, um, but it feels like the sticks to me. So at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, I'm not ready to move there. So location is my number one driver of all of those seven, six items. How do you, how do you, how do you guys balance... Um, because you're targeting a very Tony and coveted neighborhood. Yes. How do you balance price point and a smaller home? Features and conditions. Versus quality of life. Well, we're because getting... you're going to be sacrificing square yeah. feet and paying top dollar. So yeah. our chemistry is working. So literally, that was the question I was going to ask. Um, so how does that, how does that our, function in your head? We're getting there. Uh, from the contracts that we have offered, we're getting smacked around a bit. Uh, we are not competitive. <laughs> At the moment, what's yet. the price point? The the power of yet. Um, we're not competitive yet, um, but we live in a very small space and have our entire relationship. So, for us making, and like I can hear people eye roll. For us making eleven hundred square feet work actually is very doable. Um, we would outgrow that home instantly. Like we would outgrow that home in three years. Uh, we are also wanting to keep our home as an investment, so that doesn't worry me so much. Uh, I am willing to sacrifice square footage and conditions for location. There you go. So we're having that conversation, right? We're having that conversation. I'm okay with the interest rates being a little bit high, yeah. right? Because we're, we've got a game plan of maybe turning yeah. this into a rental. Yeah. But talk a little bit how the features and conditions and the price are, oh, we are just saw impacting a home everything. In Richmond, that we thought, okay, maybe the conditions aren't so, uh, it's not move in ready. I mean, you could live in it, it's not beautiful. And um, we thought maybe this could be a home we'd be in competitive with because it has some work that needs to be done. 
but it was just so much work to the to your point of features number three this home hadn't been touched for the most part since Since 1928 when it was originally built and there was an addition and slight updating in 1950 so for a first-time home buyer to look at completely redoing electrical and plumbing with a tiny kitchen and um you know all the newborn yeah all the windows need to be replaced that is not the type of uh, as Houston so well, as Houston said, we're looking for makeup, not Botox. So we're looking for like something that. that we can. Which, by the Botox. way, like tasteful that. Botox makes the world go round. So I'm not sh- no shade on that. Just for us as a buyer, we are looking for makeup. Um, I want to renovate a half bath. I want to update a few windows. I want to um, put in a fence. I do not want to rewire electrical with a one bedroom or with a four bedroom one bath. Like I can't do that. So that put that home, we didn't even offer on it, even though it was in our price range in a neighborhood we wanted because there was $150,000 worth of work, and that's not my cup of tea. So uh, thank you for the love and the shout-out. I'll hand you my credit card. You can go buy whatever you want. I do have, I think every time you mention the six key features... Because I have heard it enough times to hear it in my sleep Can you imagine how he feels And I don't know how you guys don't give him more. Like, I I roll. Um, I think that I should get a dollar. I think I should get a dollar every time you do the six. Okay. Man, that means I should be getting a $5 bill if you're getting a dollar. Yeah, we can, we no, can talk No, I think you percentage. need about 1000 I'm bucks. spending 90 minutes three times a week with this dude here in this. <laughs> so, we're, so Yvonne, thank you. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Um, I'm gonna, we, I've been anxiously yeah, waiting for Woody to get in there uh, to ask him stuff. Thank you. But, thank you. but Scott, while... Graceful while, and tasteful. While Scott... Oh, wait, I did want to talk about Scott for a second because you have made that mortgage um, process. Oh, hold on one second. This is a piece of content that we could cut into a potential sizzle reel. I have a feeling a testimonial is about to happen for Scott Morris and Ross Morgan. The show is yours. Yeah, um, so all of that obviously overwhelming financial decisions and things are overwhelming in general. When you don't know what you're doing, it's even more overwhelming. and Scott made that very easy. I think, I, like, Dad put us in contact, and then you would just call Houston. Not even like a, hey, you know, like, we can talk on this day. Let's schedule an appointment. Just called Houston. And for someone who has such little time, like, that back and forth, you know, he doesn't have the cognitive bandwidth to do. So that call was really helpful. And, like, listen to everything we want. We didn't want to shoot super high with what we were approved for. He gave us something that we felt comfortable I felt like if we had a huge approval rating, we would feel inclined to spend it. So I, I love that we had a very conservative improvement, and um, it's just really nice. And when we did, we offered on a home, you had sent, like, the breakdown of what our monthly payment would be, which is something that you kind of just guess off, or you look at Realtor.com, and they say, this would be about $3,000 a month. And you're like, okay. But to see each price going into why your monthly payment is made up. Yeah, it's just really nice, and it's explicit, and it's right there. And then we have been able to kind of think about that and use that as a reference point for other homes. Like, hey, okay, so this should be about that price a month. Um, And so, like, I haven't seen Talk to you in 15 years, and I feel like you have been giving me a very lovely, uh, for the number person I am and the analytical person I am, it's just been very helpful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Testimonial. Ross Morris, yeah. Ross yeah. Mortgage, Scott Morris. One quick question. That's a forever testimonial for his website and his socials. Uh, forever. That right there. Every, you know, plus, you. plus the you. grandkid. You're, I mean, it's, I mean yeah, on, you have a beautiful granddaughter uh, in the testimonial as well here. I know. I was hoping so you So what's more important to you, interest rate or how much per month? 
Mom said you date your interest rate, you marry your mortgage. Oh, God. So you date your interest. I don't know how you feel about that, Scott. I've I, never. You, you, you date the rate, you marry the house. Okay, oh. okay. So, well, you should also know that mom is we famous for so slightly missing. By the way, the timing on that date the rate, marriage the house thing was like A plus right for you and I. Oh, oh, did I say it wrong? Oh, okay. Well, also dyslexic. That's fine. Date the rate, marry the house. Yeah, okay. But um, so that is something Scott we say. Scott loves that, by the way, because that means he's getting a refi yeah. coming down the down That's the something we say in the Weidel household often. We date the rate, we marry the house. We don't often look at, ooh, I don't know how you'll think about this, Scott. We don't often think about the monthly mortgage. We think about what we will eventually be spending total. Um, so, like, if a, I would rather, how do I put this in words? I would rather just spend $500,000 on my home versus five fifty. I don't really look at how that impacts my monthly payment. Um, so, honey, love you, but I, we need to get Woody in here. Uh, <laughs> but also with what you're talking about, with the, the thought of hopefully retaining this property in the future goes back to what I was talking about, what the rental market does, and then how your overall net monthly cash flow is going to be when you're going into the next property. There you go. Couldn't think of a better way to wrap this thing up with the Woody it's Fincham. It's good. Hey, thank you, by the way. Woody Fincham. Help on Fincham and Associates. Crazy situation. Guy. And look at your Pat Jensen. Oh, that's nice, dude. Yeah, I, I worked my butt off for that. I'm showing it off. There Pat Jensen, we love you. Rest in power. Chris Jensen, you're getting props again on this program. Michael Plecker, you did a hell of a job. Excellent work. What do you finch him? Should we throw the the question? Yeah. Yep, let's this talk is, there. This is on the feed here. Um, they saw the national news. Again, this is national. Yeah. It's not applied to Central Virginia. For the first time in how many months was it, Scott? Home? 131. First time in 131, according to the National Association of Realtors, um, values have dropped. First time in 131 months. Right. Where do you want to go on that topic? Anywhere you want to go. Again, it's national. It doesn't really apply to our local markets. Our local markets still have inventory shortage. We're not making any negative uh, market condition adjustments right now uh, in any of the markets that we service in Central Virginia So and Northern Virginia as well. So uh, competition is still very fierce. Not making negative adjustments, but comps matter. Oh, comps absolutely matter. I mean, that, you can't do evaluation without having comparables. Steve Smith. So um, let's talk about the comps a little bit because we get these questions all the time. I'm, I'm actually having some of your fellow um, appraisers from outside of the area asking me about comps. So what I'm hearing is nationally down, local markets moving up. It's what we're seeing here is what Scott's seeing here. You know, the question that came up in the feed earlier, I mean, I know nobody has a magic uh, crystal ball. Actually, we've got a couple back here. Um, do you see that trend continuing in our marketplace? Do you think the lack of inventory is just going to continue the, the the percentage increase? Yeah, I mean, we have no reason to believe it's going to change anytime soon. Of course, national economic policy and things that are going on in the market can certainly change that in a, in a very brief amount of time. But uh, I don't see any reason why regionally we, we have any issues right now. So one of the reasons I'm excited about having you here, because I had a question actually come in prior to the show, and the question that was asked of me, that I want to ask of you, mm -hmm. how do I know that I'm not paying too much for my home? Right? So talk, talk about why the appraisal process is so important in that. So a good appraiser cares more about public trust than anything else. I mean, our, pretty much our entire economy is set up on what happens in the housing market. And the appraiser is there to vet the collateral for the lender. 
Uh, they are there working for the lender on, a, and on behalf of the lender. So what an appraiser is doing is they're touching, they're smelling, they're uh, looking at the property, making sure that the property is in you know serviceable condition for the loan. Uh, we're basically a risk metric for the for the uh, for the loan, and that goes through to the consumer in the sense that you know you don't want to overpay for something or pay more for it than it's worth, and. In the market that we're in, just like Keith's daughter's been dealing with enrichment, I mean, um, if you're not overpaying, you're almost not competitive right now. So, yeah. you know, it, it gives the consumer an opportunity to understand what they're getting themselves into uh, and, and making a decision based on good information, I think, was what a good appraisal is all about. So when we talk about market conditions and we talk about comps and how they matter, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of agents and buyers um, and probably sellers get a little frustrated or they don't understand um, – if, if we're having 40 offers on a property, um, why is it not worth what somebody is can conceivably pay for it at that point? And that's when we get into the appraisal gap and different protections sure. and mechanics for that. Uh, can you talk about that for just a moment? Oh, absolutely. So a, a good appraisal firm can actually look at what's happening in the market to the day. So if you're doing a proper market analysis, if there's 40 offers on a piece of property, um, if I can't support the contract on that, I'm working really hard to figure out why. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on, and, and if there's that much interest in the market for a property, it's hard to say that it's not worth that much money because we've had all these parties come together. You know, you've got brokers on either side. You've got a buyer and a seller on either side, and they're all saying, hey, this is what we're willing to pay for it. Um, <clears throat> there are situations where you know, market escalation does get out of hand, and it's really a matter of we're going to borrow money from someone and we're going to overpay for it because it's the only way we can do it. And that's what the lender wants to know from us. But um, it, it's very rare that we're seeing a situation, at least in our firm, where we're not able to support a contract. There are situations where people are just getting emotional and they're paying way too much for it. Um, but generally speaking, those are going to be most of your clients that have the wherefore-all to pay the difference to. So that's an appraisal gap. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about earlier today that we are now, at least on on our transactions, starting to see appraisal gaps show up with proof of funds right with the offer. Right. Right, um, which is something I've never seen before. I don't know if you've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen it in contracts. Uh, but but in years past was... No, just since the last couple of years that yeah. we, we, we've really seen that. So talk about that a little bit, right? So I'm, I'm you know, Yvonne, we're trying to represent, trying to help them sell, sell the home. Talk a little bit from your perspective how appraisal gaps work from your side of it. Well, I mean, it really comes down, like uh, Scott had mentioned earlier, it really comes down to comparable data that's available, right? So um, I think the magic for what an appraiser can and can't do is understanding how well, how the market's actually moving. So if, and I know this show on Monday, we were talking about, or y'all were talking about rather, you know, that, you know, the first three months of the market, we're already, what, six to 9% appreciation is what we're showing from the data. Um, is that matching your data? Um, it's, it's not uh, adverse to what we're pulling. Got it. Um, what I would say about that is that the difference between, again, a good appraiser and a bad appraiser, I think, is going to be whether or not the appraiser actually understands what's going on in the market and that escalation. And a lot of appraisers are very conservative. Uh, that's an unfortunate thing. I mean, they, there's a lot of liability on the line for an appraiser, but the appraiser in the end should be looking at what's going on in the market and using actual vetted market data to figure out what's going on, and that's keeping a metric of what's happening in the market on a daily basis. So one of the questions that we're getting from uh, sellers, you know, how, how is a real estate agent, can I do a CMA, because when the market's moving that fast, mm-hmm. we had an example on Monday, right? A uh, 
bills at Southern Ridge. I did a CMA for Jerry, um, what, a month ago, something like that? Yeah. A couple weeks ago? The the market moved 4% in 10 days. In 10 days. So as a seller... So 226 suggests now 235, uh, those condos are being listed. Literally 10 days. And his CMA, when he gave me that data, was exactly on point. But in that 10-day period, the market moved. So the question I wanted to ask you from your firm, right, is that, that if I am representing a seller, mm-hmm. right, and we're, ha- we're struggling, we're trying to come up with, with comps, do you offer a service where we can bring you in to help us? Help us Absolutely. We'll um, talk about how that works because that's a, that's a really good seller hack that uh, folks should know about. So most people that deal with appraisers, they think about the only thing that we do is just work in the mortgage situation where we're working for banks and lenders. And that's not the case at all. Uh, We can do all kinds of things. We can do partial market analysis where we're actually going in. And and that same subdivision you guys are talking about, you could have called me and said, hey, what do you... Can you give me an idea of how the market uh, is moving right now based on, you know, appreciation or depreciation as the case may warrant? And so we can run data like that. It's just a matter of us doing trending and trying to understand what's going on. Um, It's also looking at the pendings. I mean, when I'm doing a market analysis like that, I've got to call the agents and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, you got a pending here. The list price is $10,000 higher than anything that's ever sold in the subdivision. Um, What's going on with the contract? They're not supposed to tell me, but oftentimes they, they can give me an indication that it is over list or it's at list or it's below list. That's a strong data point to have. So how much does that cost if I ask you to come in and do that? Um, if we're just doing like a desktop situation where we're working in the office and not doing anything in the field, I mean, we, 100, 150 bucks, something like that. So, so, so you bill hour, hourly? Yeah, pretty much. So my client slash daughter was just asking us because we were losing transactions you know, 50, 60, 70, some cases over $100,000 mm-hmm. over list price. The question... Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We lost one for $150,000. So the question was asked, how did the agent get it so wrong? Right? So... Uh, well, did the agent get it wrong, or was it a strategy to solicit... More interest. Yeah, more interest. It, it, or did the market really move? So part... It's one of those three. So part of the tips that we all do here is we, before we put an offer in the agent, which would be me, I start asking, calling the other side and asking questions, and, and I immediately always ask that. So how did you set your price? And, and at least I'm going to take it that they all are tra- talking truthful to me. They said, look, you know, this is what it looked like in 60, 90 days ago. They're not looking at what it looked like a week right. ago. or so. They don't, they don't have the ability that you have to really take a deep dive. So for 150 bucks or somewhere along those lines, if I'm a seller, I can get it up to the minute at that given moment. I'll throw right. this to you guys here. If I'm a seller of a house and my representation lists my house at this price and offers come in $150,000 above that list, as a seller, do I not question my representation? I think you have to be careful with that because... Yeah, there are situations where maybe someone's not as competent doing this as they should be. But you also got to remember that the way agents are taught to do CMAs is, is not dissimilar to how appraisers work uh, traditionally, which is looking at already closed data. But closed data is retrospective. It's not current. So it gives you a starting point, but what you really have to look at is what's the mark, what's, since the last sale in the subdivision, what's really happened? If you haven't had a sale in 90 days, and we're looking at 4 or 5 6% increase over you know, a month's period, 
uh, you've got to wonder, well, should we be adjusting that number towards something and else? if you're a seller, would you rather have them miss it over and have no interest or have them miss it under and drive activity to the point? And that would be the response I would expect from mm -hmm. my representation. That answer right there would probably cool my jets. Sure. But, because the alternative would be but at the is, end of the day, Jerry, way worse, no interest. But at the end of the day, you're putting an extra $150,000. Right, and that's how the guy has, yeah. or the gal, the gal, the guy or the gal has to respond to yeah. me so, being, what the hell's going on here? Let, we got a little bit about time. Let's jump back on topic. First, for buyers and agents and those out there, there's a lot of misconceptions of what happens in your world when related to product. Mm -hmm. Meaning, do you derive value differently for a conventional appraisal than you do a VA appraisal? Absolutely not. It's the same process. Uh, we're using the same definition of market value. Um, we're looking at data the same way. Uh, there are appraisers in both of those specialty niches that uh, you could say may, may be more conservative than others. But, I mean, for the most part, they shouldn't be doing it any differently. And, you know, we, we were talking about that 235000 at the Villas. It went under contract. Went under contract. Yeah. yeah. 235000 Yeah. So that 226 is now 235. So, so, 10 days. So back. 100% different. So back. Contract. Back in the same exact unit. Back to yeah, the. Yeah, same exact unit. Back, the one next door. Absolutely. So back to the question that we were asking, right? You know, I did an honest, straight yeah, you did. up. I know you did. Yours you know, was right. I was. I know it was right. But now, 10 days later, it's I'm 9K wrong. It's 9K different. 4%. Ten, 10 days later, I'm wrong. Yeah. So you're not wrong. What, you were right, though. What you're we do. Wrong. Ho, 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 No, it's maybe yes, hold maybe it, hold no, it, yes. Hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> Mrs. Smith is in the... Can you mind and say that again? I, I'm not going to mess with Mrs. <laughs> Smith. You heard this before. You heard this before. <laughs> I mean, Grandma's holding the baby right now, and she's just, you know, the perfect can, perfect picture here. Jerry, do we got a minute for her? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Here. Oh. Studio camera there, Jacobs. To the fact that you, you got to be in front Scott, of the microphone. Scott, great work. No, we're, we're going to laugh about you, Scott. To the fact that you can ask an appraiser as a seller to appraise your home to make sure that you are listing it at a reasonable price, yes? Mm -hmm. To Emily's point about buyers being nervous that they are going to overbid, like in a contract. Sure. So this just happened. Like we, and to I just saw your comment. To the, yeah, I know. <laughs> to everyone's larger point. Um, you know, we see homes at 475 and we're like, great, that's in our price point. Like, let's crush right. it. Let's try. And then it goes for 615 and we're feeling deflated. But when we write a contract and we say, okay, we want to offer 525 on this home, Houston and I both have a pause, the same pause I'd imagine Emily is referring to as buyers being like, is 525 an insane amount for this home? Right. Can the buyer talk to an appraiser? And could you do that same form of appraiser for a buyer? You can. Um, the, the, the problem with that scenario, though, is that timing is so short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're putting an offer in, I mean, it could take an appraiser a couple of days. No different than the home yeah. inspectors taking three weeks. You know, yeah, um, yeah. appraisers are busy, too. Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> well, so, Yvonne, from a practical perspective, right, we remember we had this conversation. We have deadlines. We have to submit them by a certain yeah. amount, 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 well, amount of time. would that be a pretty decent buyer tip, sorry about the influx that that would lead to sure. you, but wouldn't that be a decent buyer tip to feel at least a little bit better with... So, so this is a great tip and, and a great thing for, for the show. So you don't know this. Remember I tell you all the time, let me do the back end yeah. of it. So I am actually doing a CMA on that, un on that okay. home at that given moment. Okay. So not that I'm, there's no way I'm the Woody 
Fincham by yeah. any stretch of the imagination, but I get awfully close yeah. to it, and then that's when I start saying, look, I think this house is going to go for well, this just, amount of money over. Just on the buyer side, and maybe other buyers feel this way, like Houston and I just kind of sit at home and we land on a number, you know, right. and, and then I shoot that to you, and I just have the trust in you. But if you have a realtor that maybe isn't your parent or direct relative... They're all professionals. Yeah, but like it's much easier for me to feel comfortable with that bid because I know that you wouldn't let me overpay. But if someone didn't, maybe that could be... That's just what I'm thinking. So we are seven um, minutes over okay. where I promised... I promised Jerry that uh, that we would be at. So, um, I, you know, I, Jerry, I'll let you do the wrap up, and then we can call in whoever we want to. How about some final thoughts for Woody Fincham? Anywhere you want to go, Woody. Um, I would just put out there that you know this is a difficult market for everybody: consumers, the real estate agents, the the, the real estate appraisers that are out there. Uh, I think that it's very, very important that you're working with lenders that are actually using local appraisers. We do have an issue right now where we've got people coming from two, three, four hours away to work in a market that they really don't understand because real estate is very local. If you're from Fairfax and you're coming into Lake Monticello to do an appraisal, you probably don't understand that market very well. Uh, and it's when you're in a market where things are heated the way they are right now, the nuance of what's going on in that market is super, super important. So, you know, that is, that is one thing I put out there as far as being careful. The consumer does have a say in their appraiser as far as, you know, if, if it's someone that you don't want to work with, the lender can choose someone else. Um, you know, there's a big misnomer out there that, you know, there's no feedback, but ultimately the consumer is in control as much as they want to be. I'm not trying to put Scott in a situation it's where he's a situation. Gonna... I'll actually talk to speak yeah. to that. Um, I've had listing agents reach out to me when they've been contacted by someone and say, "There's I, this person's not coming to this property. Um, and if the consensus is for the sake of the transaction and everybody's uh, you know, well-being as far as let's let who's on the team matters. Mm -hmm. um, if if there's that much friction there, I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to get somebody else out there for you. Harry, yeah. Harry Tyson watching the program. He wants. We love you, Harry Tyson. I feel like I know Harry Tyson so yeah, well yeah. through this show. He says we almost lost our home because of that exact. Um, situation. Yeah. Uh, Harry Tyson watching the program in Connecticut. The one thing I will say that if you're commissioned professional involved with it, the Dodd-Frank Act does apply. You should have a valid reason for not wanting the appraiser involved. At, you know, they're not from the local area. They don't have access to the MLS. They're asking me to give them comps because I don't have access to the MLS. As an appraiser, I'm required to have membership in the MLS. It's part of my competency requirement. So if I'm appraising in a local area, I got to have access to the data that any other appraiser would have access to working there. But if if you're commissioned and you are just trying to control, like an appraiser came in low on a deal previously and you're just saying, hey, I don't want to work with this appraiser ever again, that could be a problem legally, so just be mindful well, if that, of it. If it's a legit appraisal, then it's legit. Yeah. But to, to uh, this, Harry we're Tyson... Talking, but we're using from uh, professional standards where someone uh, couldn't do anything on time and delayed previously. Sure. Time. Well, to, to Harry Tyson's comment, and I know we've we got to wrap up for, for Jerry really gets, <laughs> gets mad at me here, but to his situation, this was a several years ago, the appraiser was an hour and a half away, and it turned out to be a $100,000 delta sure. between the one that was an hour and a half away and the local local thing and it made the difference in the deal it made the difference in the closing and, and to your point we all raised our hand and said this is not we're not using this person and we ended up having to get another another appraisal so who matters team matters absolutely uh, on this i love it this was fantastic i can say with confidence and conviction that this was the most watched 
um, first time home buyer seminar in Central Virginia history. Ever. No, I, I, I can say it with confidence. Yeah. Katie Pearl, such a great show today. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, Thank I you, think Katie. this literally was the most watched first time home buyer seminar in the history of Central Virginia. You just set a record. Uh, and and, and uh, we use innovation for the knowledge as opposed to hosting it in person when it comes to Well, that's where we up. came up with this idea. And, and, you know, and, the, and hats off to Jerry and Judah because I said, look, we want to do this. And, and, and I shut up and followed their lead. And then this is where we end up with. So this was exciting. So thank you to everybody. Thank you, everybody in the room. Thank you to my granddaughter, our granddaughter, who is the cutest thing ever sitting over there, which, by the way, is wearing a local Ragged Mountain running shop, um, a little, little... What, a onesie? Oh, uh, a shirt. Yeah. Hold on a second. Look at me. Oh, she's adorable. You're awake. Look at she's me. She's adorable. How, how old? Two months. Oh, look at this. She's fresh. Look, look, look. Then we have a... Our youngest just turned four months. So incredible, t incredible time. Your daughter is absolutely gorgeous. She is adorable. Look at you. Holding your head up. You're adorable. You have such great girl. neck control. Look, Look at her neck control. Look at how strong you're getting. <laughs> Say hello. She's smiling. Impressed. Yeah. I love Don't it. Don't you love being a grandfather? That's the greatest thing That's ever. That's freaking awesome. Because you get to give them back. No, this is what this is all about. Ah, you got a Say smile, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey. Well, thank you, everybody, Absolutely. for watching. So, everybody watching, takeaways from today, um, get pre-approved, not, pre not a pre-qualification. <laughs> uh, work with your trusted team. If, you, if you're not going to be able to make a competitive offer with the home inspector, take a home inspector, too, when you walk through the home. Come up with a plan as far as earnest money, be competitive, have, trust the process, do all the things, work with getting a local appraiser involved in the process, and if you have to have an appraisal gap, see if you can put some mechanics in place to protect you through the process. And at, at first and foremost, call me. R Ravenna totally paid attention to that. I didn't, but Ravenna did. Well done. So remember, Real Talk with Keith Smith, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Online at RealTalkWithKeithSmith.com, the show presented by Ross Mortgage. Scott Moore should be your first phone call. Yes, Realty Partner should be your second phone call. Judah Wickower. The man of the hour. I can't say that enough. The man of the hour. Thank you. The I Love Thank Siegel you, show is up in 42 minutes. Sorry about that. <laughs> so long, everybody. Take care. Well done. That was awesome. That was legitimately awesome. I can't believe it went uh, as flawlessly as it did.